Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to The Trash Heap. This is the podcast where uh, we take movies from the garbage, movies that are universally hated, and one of us selects it, the other one has to watch it, and then we defend it to you and often to each other, telling you why it shouldn't be hated at all, but why it's actually pretty good. Um, I'm Elliot Greenman. Joining me today is my co-host, Keith Vance. Keith, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. I'm so ready to go elbows deep into cinematic history and fish out some forgotten classics. I am, I am pumped today because we're going to be talking about a little movie called Stephen King's Dreamcatcher. Yes. Uh, pretty much universally panned, but I think has some merit, so uh, we're giving it worth a second view. Uh, but before we get into that, we're going to do a segment called Knee-Jerk Reactions, which is where if we see anything, any upcoming preview that we just think is crazy and demands attention, we tell you about our reactions to it. Yeah, yeah. if you're like us, you're passionate about movies and movie trailers, and uh, probably the most fun you'll ever have is freaking out uh, after watching a trailer. One way or so. another, where it's like, holy shit, that looks awesome, or holy shit, what the fuck was that? Yeah, so these are our documented freakouts. So, um, I personally don't have anything this week. Do you? I've got something big, 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 big. Uh, back in May, a trailer was released from Adam Wingard, who you might remember from Your Next mm-hmm. and the VHS series, and it was called The Woods. Uh, and there wasn't a whole lot of information about it. It's really cryptic. No, I saw the thing. It was just a bunch of like uh, scariest movie ever made, and uh, kept me up at night. Like all these little yes, like, very impressive pull quotes from seemingly nowhere. Yeah, uh, like who, yeah. Who actually was giving these reviews? I don't know. They may have been fake because it was released today. Uh, this was actually a uh, red herring uh, type trailer for the new Blair Witch sequel. Mm-hmm. And that trailer was released today, and it was everything you'd expect it to be. More mayhem in the woods, more stick witches, uh, more crying people, more shaky camera, and what looks like some pretty terrifying uh, haunted house effects. So, uh, I don't know. It looks like it might be a lot of fun. You know what? I have a reaction to this, too. Let's hear it. And my reaction is, who the fuck cares? Who is asking for a Blair Witch sequel? Does anyone actually still like the Blair Witch Project? I mean, when the movie came out, it was a big deal. But I mean, like, a lot of that I had to do with the fact that you really hadn't seen a found footage movie before. Uh, a lot of people thought the movie, there was all this hype about it being actually real. A lot of people thought it was a real thing. They didn't realize it was a fictional story. It so wasn't real? It was not real. Oh, okay. Sorry, Keith. Uh... uh I have to go. Oh, we'll talk about this later. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's like... Oh, t- almost 20 years later, who was, who was sitting around be, be, chopping at the bit for this? I feel like this movie would probably be more successful if it didn't call itself the Blair Witch. You know? If it, but anyway, that's just me. I, I'll, I'll wait to pass judgment, but right now I'm incredibly unenthused. Well, that's certainly a reaction. Well done, sir. Mm-hmm. Thanks for participating, even though you didn't watch the trailer. 
but well, sorry, give it man. give it a look and see what happens. I didn't watch the trailer, but just the very concept. Well, I watched the original, the the little teaser, and that had me intrigued. Once I found out it was the Blair Witch, I didn't give a fuck anymore. All right. Well, if you guys watch the trailer, let us know what you think, because uh, we want to hear your knee jerk reactions. Yeah, please do. Um, okay, so it's Dreamcatcher. Dreamcatcher, or as I like to call it, Stephen King's greatest hits. So. Um, this is a crazy movie. You chose this movie. I chose this movie, yes. yes. This is a crazy movie. The, I'll give you a quick rundown. Yeah, let's tell everybody what it's all about just in case they haven't seen it. So the story is it's about four childhood friends, uh, all guys, all boys. Jonesy, Beaver, Pete, and Henry. Those are the guys. And they rescue a mentally challenged uh, child from some bullies. Goes by the name of Duddits. Duddits is his name. And they rescue him from some bullies who are trying to force him to eat dog dew. Yes. The, the, one of the most vile acts, by the way, in the history of human cruelty. It's really weird. Well, they also, like, they strip him down to his underwear, and they got, like, the they have some forethought into this. Like, they planned it because the one bully has a latex glove. He didn't just find some dog dew and, a, like, a kid and, like, be like, you're going to eat this yeah, dog Yeah, they, dew. like, saved a special dog dew in a cooler or something. Yeah, they had a cooler like, of, dog, of dog dew. Anyway, so they save, they, they save this uh, kid from the dog dew. And as a gift to them, the Duddits bestows upon them uh, some mild psychic abilities, which will later help them in a future alien invasion that will occur once they are adults. Yeah, they refer to it as the line. And it's uh, not only is it a mental connection between um, the f- six of them, it's also they can use it to find each other. Uh, they can talk telekinetically and then also find each other. And, you know, they have mild telepathy, which we see used at the beginning of the movie, kind of in different capacities mm-hmm. by each. Some use it to pick up women, excuse me, and some people use it to help, you know, troubled college students. And other people use it to make themselves depressed. And I think that's what most people use. Yeah, Thomas use. Jane essentially just uh, drives himself to suicide using his psychic powers. So that's... It starts off on a very cheery note. Yeah. So anyway, I know... Uh, I picked this movie. I know you're not as fond of it as me. So why don't you tell, 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 the, tell me in the world what's wrong with it and then I'll... I'll try and defend it. Well, like I, I, I refer to this as Stephen King's greatest hits and that's because it's essentially just hodgepodge parts from the Stephen King library. It's got, you know, a group of young boys coming of age. It's got uh, uh, kind of a, a magical, mysterious figure that they rally around. Uh, there's a government conspiracy. There's gross monsters. There's fart jokes. There's, Are there a lot of fart jokes but in there, Stephen King? This wall-to-wall but, fart no, jokes. No, in this movie, this movie is filled with fart and poop and barf jokes. But in Stephen King in general, is that... Is that in? I I've never really noticed that. Well, before. Cujo was all fart jokes. That's true. The Cujo kid, was... that kid, just kept farting over and over again. <laughs> and that famous scene in uh, Pet Cemetery where the the farmer and the dad are having a conversation, oh. and he just lets one rip. Don't they just have a farting contest? Yeah, I think so. They have a couple of Budweisers and just start going at it like oh, a couple I mean, of good old boys. This is what happens on the farm. Yeah, there's nothing else to do except flatulate. Um. But yeah, this is uh, this is pretty much. If you've seen uh, Stephen King, you've, you've seen really, something it, from this like movie. It's like you said, it's the greatest hit. It's like it's a com- little combination of everything he's got. I mean, that's absolutely true.
Why do you like this movie? Why don't you tell us what you like about this well, movie? Well, what don't Ellie? you like about this movie? Well, it's See, a, it's a great looking movie. No, that's what that's what you do like. What? See what you don't like. It's a great looking movie. That's all that's the Wait, only wait, thing. wait. Hold on, hold on. Let me get this on the third try. Um This movie is crazy. This movie is insane. It's totally insane. Okay. It's bonkers. You've got these goofy guys at this cabin, and all of a sudden, some dude shows up in a hunting accident. And <laughs> starts pooping. <laughs> yeah, he shits in their toilet, but instead of, you know, shitting human waste, he shits a bunch of blood and a moray eel and uh, some goofy mist that's made out of crunch berries. Yeah. Uh, all those things do happen. Okay, so this movie, uh, it works for me on two levels. I acknowledge that this is like a gross misfire on a lot in a lot of ways on the parts of the filmmaker. There's a lot of things about this movie that are just batshit and crazy. There's some really odd uh, directorial choices. There's some horrible dialogue throughout, which is crazy considering it was written by Lawrence Kasdan and uh, William Goldman, two very renowned like Oscar-winning uh screenwriters uh yeah whose idea was it to just have the characters repeat each other's names over and over again <laughs> i i swear i could have heard the the name jonesy at least 157 times they say jonesy a lot yeah and then beave, beave. and henry or henny or any well you know i will say this and a lot of times in movies I have no idea what the characters' names are, and then when sometimes when another character's talking about them, I'm like, who is that? You can't help but know the characters' names. Right, so, I have the I names mean, memorized at this for, point. For a movie where the main characters get separated a lot, so it might be actually helpful that we do say it that much so that we always know who they're talking about. But anyway, it does misfire in a lot of ways. Um, I enjoy it as a bad movie. I enjoy it as, like, this is a crazy bad movie. But that being said... There's some other things about this movie, and I think there's definitely something to be said for a, a bad movie that is genuinely compelling at what, the same what, time. What, uh, what do you think is compelling about Dreamcatcher? Well, so, and I'll say this too, I don't necessarily think it's necessarily uh, the way the filmmakers intended it to be compelling. I think they shot for one thing, missed the mark, and then something else kind of organically came from that that wasn't necessarily what they were going for. But right off the bat, I think the characters are very are very the it's very compelling right off the bat. Like the, you want to know about these characters, they're mysterious. You want to know about their character, their connection, because this is before we learn anything about. Well, they're good people. They're good you, people. You, you pick up on that right away. And you, this is before you learn about their connection through Duddits and the dog do and the psychic kid, you know, who, who gives them the powers. So you want to know. You really do want to know what's going on, and that kind of propels you into the meat of the movie and when things start getting really weird and crazy and just bad uh in some ways you still want to know what happens you know there's some movies i like just because they're bad like they're they're wacky and they're dumb and but i could get up and leave and come back at any moment and i'm not missing anything but then there are movies that in spite of certain flaws really suck you in and are just kind of fascinating you know do you think it was a good move on their part to start off by giving each character kind of their own little vignette? I would doubt it's, now it's based on a novel, and that's something that would definitely work in a novel that maybe doesn't translate 
as well on screen, but it does add to the kind of like, what's this weird connection? You know, it, it makes the movie last a little bit too long and it kind of draws out the pacing enough, but it does, that is kind of what hooks you in. Um, you know, and another thing I find really intriguing about this movie. So as we mentioned, you know, it's an alien invasion movie and a lot of the criticisms I've heard of this movie is just that the aliens don't make any sense. It's all weird. Nothing makes any sense, you know, and uh -huh. it's, it's got these butt worms. They call refer to them as butt worms or shit weasels in the movie. They go up the aliens that go up your butt and then come out your butt and then go back up your butt again. And then there's these other aliens that turn into a mist and these other aliens that look like like giant tadpoles with fangs. Which is interesting because all of that might seem juvenile and you know, kind of cliche to us. But think about from an alien's perspective. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's like we talk about how all this is weird, but we're always comparing in these alien movies that we watch, you know, alien invasion movies we watch, they always invade and do things the way humans do things, you know? Right. And this is another species from another planet, with a different culture, a different biology. Everything they should be doing should be, well, alien. Yeah, it seems foreign. To us, you and know? Mysterious. So what All this stuff that's so fucking bizarre and weird and just doesn't make any fucking sense and seems, like you said, kind of goofy. Why do these aliens keep going in and out of your butt? You know, from our perspective, that's just like nuts but from an alien's perspective it's like they like butts yeah you know wow so i mean i think there's some definite uh definite things and I, once again maybe that's not the filmmaker's intent maybe they thought that this what they were making was super cool and serious and everyone was gonna buy into it but just organically i think you created this weird alien world and it, it, it just kind of rings true to me or at least is interesting and fascinating i've watched this I've watched this movie a lot and about and kind of try to figure out why I found it so compelling. And this is kind of why it's just like it, it kind of uh, feels like you know right because it felt wrong, you know. Yeah, the aliens are interesting. They seem sort of familiar, and then they resemble like a lamprey or a moray eel, and and kind of other deep sea creatures that mm -hmm. which are creatures on Earth, but they seem alien, and they also hatch from eggs that resemble fish eggs. Yeah. Uh, and take on like a worm-like form. Uh, in fact, that's a big message uh, of this movie. One of the huge plot points is one worm kills the world. The Whit Hertford worm. The Whit Hertford worm. Uh, I know you're listening, Whit. You're on to you, guy. Call in any time. We're waiting. Anyway, so that's, yeah. I mean, like, I know there's a lot of crazy shit in this movie, but... Any throw any question at me, I'll find you an answer, an explanation, as to why it can work, or maybe I won't. I don't know. What is the strength of the story? I think the strength of the story is, is it heart. Nah, I mean, because like I said, the, the characters are genuinely compelling. They kind of suck you in, but honestly, by the end of the movie, I don't really care about them that much anymore. I care more about this weird, kooky world, and right. Uh, Does it ever feel like anything's at stake here? No. No, it's not, it doesn't, you know, there's, uh, like I said, to me, I'm, I feel like I'm watching a news unfold of an actual a news program unfold oh. of like an actual alien invasion and nothing makes sense. And all these people are, don't, can't explain anything. And it's all so fucking weird. And I just get sucked into this weird, bizarre world. And then you, you start learning about these other characters in the movie, like, uh, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. You, it, there's more than one antagonist. He's, uh, he's a, he plays like Colonel, what's Colonel? Colonel Abe. Abe, Abe Curtis. Abe Curtis, yeah. You don't cross the Curtis line. 
Uh, and he's this guy who's been fighting aliens invasions for 25 years secretly. He's got the secret co-op government agency. Yeah, he works for a group. <laughs> His unit is called the Blue Boys. And they do whatever they want. Yeah, they, yeah. Don't, they don't live under the same rules as any of the military. The only rules they follow are uh, rules of engagement. And that's it. That's pretty and much he, it, yeah. He's the Blue Boy leader, and he's fighting against the Ripleys, which is their code name for the aliens because of the alien make, movies, which, which exist in this movie. You know, here's what's crazy to me about this movie. This is one of the things uh, that's kind of weird is in this movie, all the other characters think uh, Curtis is insane. Yes, literally, there's not literally one other character that thinks this me, guy is playing with a full deck. He's the voice of the only voice of reason. He's the only person making sensible choices. Like the, the, there's his uh, the guy working under him is like really stressed out that he is. Uh, so they they take all these people who may or may not have been exposed. Or definitely were exposed to the virus, but may or may not be infected, and kind of round them up and put them in a thing together. And his his underling is like, "Hey man, if you keep them all there together, they're all gonna get infected, and then they're all gonna die." And he's all like, "So, if I'm not, I don't, I'm trying to save humanity. You know, I got 15 people here. I'm not gonna let one of them back out into society to possibly infect the world." Now, if that's confusing to you, keep in mind that uh, these aliens turn into a red mist and. Mm -hmm go inside inside of, your body yeah yes that is the ripley is that yeah mist. and it's it spreads across the land and could eventually take over you know, and turn everyone into aliens right so literally that's the threat one person getting out is is threatening the entire world yeah and morgan and freeman is the only one who cares about they that. call the, the the alien virus the whipley from the movie alien if that movie alien taught us anything is if, if someone's been exposed to an alien parasite you quarantine them yeah you got to follow, follow the protocols because that is the only if they had done that in the in the original alien no one else would have died except it's for true Kay. they could, could have prevented Which so many deaths ripley wanted to do she said quarantine them. yeah ripley was right uh but that Dallas. should have been the tagline of this movie <laughs> ripley, ripley was right, was right. <laughs> uh but everyone else is just like pretty lackadaisical about this alien invasion and his plague and they just think he's nuts for wanting to contain it yeah uh tom sizemore is working directly under morgan freeman uh goes by the name of owen and he's set to take over for morgan freeman but he's got a soft spot for infected people because they've got some scientific data that points to people getting over the sickness and right. fighting it on their own with their immune system. But it's only a certain, it's some very sketchy data that only a certain percentage of the right. population. Right, and you can't, there's no uh, predetermined markers for who right. who can fight it and who can't. And it's literally like a group of like 15, 20 people that they have rounded up Yes, that have all been exposed to the virus. That are those, that, It just doesn't make any sense why they'd be like, no, let's yeah. let them out. Now, meanwhile, while the military is quarantining the town, what's uh, what's everybody else up to? Well, the the the, the four guys, four, four main heroes, they're on a camping trip in the woods, or they're staying in a cabin. Yeah, and, they go to a cabin. They call hole in the wall every yeah, year. And uh, this uh, this other dude stumbles into their campsite. He looks pretty sick, and he starts pooping out aliens. And he gives birth to aliens via his anus. Oh, uh, one of those aliens he gives birth to is a guy named Mister Gray. Yes, Mr. Gray is a, a critical focal point. So Mr. Gray takes over Jonesy via the red crunchberry mist. And when he takes him over, something really uh, really weird happens. Uh, he starts talking in a British accent. In a British accent. <laughs> and this is one of those things, too, that is just like I enjoy on two levels. I enjoy it on a bad level because it's 
pretty bad. <laughs> Why did this happen? But then, you know, I kept... There was something about it that also kind of worked for me. I kept thinking about it. And when you, I was... Re- you got to wonder about the alien's motivation right. for that kind of interpretation. Like, so, why would he take on that? Right. So when I was re-watching the movie last night in preparation for this, I thought, like, well, wait a minute. What if he just really likes British accents? Who you doesn't? Know, you know, what if it's, like, it's the alien equivalent of, like, some bro who gets a tribal tattoo or a kanji, a Japanese kanji symbol tattoo? Or, or where does a Native American headdress to a music festival? Right, who has no idea what any of that stuff means. Like, like it means, like, power and endurance. Like, it, that's what it represents, but really it just means, like, lunchbox. Yeah. You know, like, what if he saw, uh, like, a James Bond, one of these aliens when they're, like, doing their human research watched the James Bond movie and I like it was like Yeah, the one with Timothy Dalton. Yeah, he watched the Timothy Dalton James Bond movie and he's like, I wanna be that. He's like, that's tight. You know? He got he, and then he got a tattoo of Timothy Dalton on his arm and said it meant like power and endurance. Now keep in mind all the weird stuff we've talked about thus far in this movie Dreamcatcher. Stephen King actually has publicly said he wrote this while recovering from being run over by a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in an oxycotton-induced haze the entire time. It was too painful for him to sit at his word processor, so he wrote it in longhand in yeah. a bunch of ledger books. And he had disowned this this original story so hard he sold the screenplay for one dollar. One dollar. Well, the rights to the yeah, the rights, rights to, to the. It. Uh, that's the thing, you know, I think he actually does that quite a bit. My, my, I have a conspiracy theory about this because I actually believe that rather than him writing this, I think that he just listened to his child playing (laughs) and making up stories with toys and he just took all those pieces, crammed in a few of his... Like some little kids like, and Dan, and Dan... And then the alien poops a worm, and the worm, it goes up the guy's butt. Precisely. But then his friend, his friend is like, he, he gets a worm too, and then he talks, he talks like James Bond. Yeah. But then um, there's this other guy, and he like, uh, he, he hates the aliens, but he's, he has big eyebrows. Exactly. And the characters come together in the climax and just start fighting for some reason. You get weird matchups, and it's the exact kind of, fight logic that would come from a kid also a scene in this movie where a person uses a gun as a telephone and it (laughs) works he he goes the phone the he in his head he hears the gun ring he puts it up i believe the line is come on jonesy where are you dial 1-800 henry yeah and then instantly the gun rings he puts it up to his ear and starts talking into it meanwhile tom sizemore's character is watching this and he's just like he is confused as all we are. Actually, as Tom Sizemore plays a pretty deadpan role in this movie, but mm-hmm. his reaction to that scene is probably the greatest moment of pure comedy it's in the entire film. It's almost like straight up like Benny Hill like yeah. reaction. To, to, you expect like crazy music to start happening and him to just cross his eyes yeah. and like fall over. After Henry hangs up and he says something to the effect of, uh, we lost him, uh, you know, Mr. Gray must have taken control or who knows. But uh, Tom Sizemore just looks at him sideways because he's driving a car. And he says, can I have my gun back now? Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That, really, I mean, we've talked about how this movie's crazy. We've really only tipped the, hit the tip of the iceberg on this levels of crazy. Uh, the Duddits character, who is the, you know, the, the handicapped child, 
Grows up to be Donnie Wahlberg. Donnie Wahlberg in actually one of the finest performances of his career. He's really he is really good at he it. He should have gotten. A, people talk about uh, Oscar bait. This role was made for Oscar bait. Like he should have at least gotten nominated because what a transformation. I don't, go, I, I don't know if I'd go quite that far, but he's very good in it. Um, but he grows up to be, he grows up, he still has uh, some sort of mental disability. He kind of appears to be Down syndrome. He still... You're not qualified to make that diagnosis. Well, I'm, I, think I, I think I've seen a couple movies. And, you know, I know I know my movie mental uh, uh, mental impairment representations. So okay. I'd see him. Uh, and he, he does grow up to, uh, one diagnosis you can be sure of is he does develop leukemia. He does develop leukemia. He has, he still has mental powers, and you also find out that he's known about this whole time. He's he's known about Mister Gray the whole time, but he always called him he always called him Mister Gay. Yeah, which is <laughs> yeah another piece of juvenile humor in this uh, this goofy movie. But then you also at the end find out that he too is an alien, even though he has human parents. So is he an alien from the future who impregnated? I His think mother? That, I think his parents are aliens too because at the towards the end his mother after when she's sending him off with Henry uh to go to the final confrontation yeah. with Mr. Gray she says go save the world. Yeah, she does say. So that. How does she know? Ah, she's just saying that's just Mom, like moms mom just says, know. Like that like well they just say crap like moms that. Moms like, know when your half alien son needs to transform yeah. and stop an alien invasion. He's also a different species of alien. Right. That's that's apparent just because he he looks like uh, like a giant like lion lizard type of thing. Yes. When he because he transforms at the end as well. Uh, I I think the mom is just I think the mom doesn't really realize what's going on. I think she's just kind of like go save the world, you little scamp. Maybe she yeah. gave or uh, he gave her psychic powers too. Everyone oh, in this movie has psychic powers, yet no one saw this coming. <laughs> well, I thought about that too. They have these psychic powers, but they don't work that well. No, they're garbage. And I was thinking maybe... Timothy Oliphant spends his his time using psychic powers to find people's keys and hit on women that just get creeped I out. I think that's what... I've, if, the, if the movie uh, What a Woman Wants, starring Mel Gibson, has taught us anything, that's all you use psychic powers for. Yeah, at least in the real world. Um, but I think maybe... This is actually... I'm just making this up on the fly. Maybe because... He's a Down syndrome alien. When he imparted the mental abilities to the other boys, uh, it wasn't like it didn't work that well. <laughs> you're you're positing that it's some kind of diminished ability. I'm, they only got ten percent psychic yeah, ability. I'm, I am uh, I am offending uh, mentally challenged aliens the galaxy over right now. I'm sorry. Yeah, this but, is problematic. Uh, but that's the best I got as to why. So our podcasting career is over before it begins. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, that's the best. That's the best I can come up with. Or just he just wanted to give him a little taste. That's interesting. Um, what do you think about the final fight scene between uh, Morgan Freeman's character and his protege Tom Sizemore? Because they're they have a quite a budding relationship. In fact, they have like an incredible father-son type rapport. Tom Sizemore is set to take over for Morgan Freeman, but uh, he decides to be a hero instead and do the right thing. And you know, I kind of think uh, their rapport, I think, is kind of a little little fake. Because you, you, at the beginning, you kind of th- think that. But then you kind of f- learn that they haven't just met, you know. They've known each other for a while. 
Uh, but but then like you learn that Tom Sizemore doesn't really trust Morgan Freeman. Like you think he thinks he's going a little crazy. Not like he doesn't. He's not full blown. Like he's not like full blown on the side of he's a complete batshit crazy until later. But he's on the edge of believing that about Freeman. And then Freeman obviously doesn't trust him because he gives Tom Sizemore uh a gun as a gift like this big like pearl yes. handled gun and then later we find out there's a tracking device in it so he was obviously keeping an eye right. on him so there's i think there's like i think they like each other but there's not complete trust either way and they're kind of like uh putting on an act like sizemore's putting on an act to be kind of like so oh it's can, a chess game yeah so he can get in, so he can get promoted and become in control and then morgan freeman does want to retire but he not 100% sold on this guy, so he's kind of like secretly testing him. There's some cat and mouse, some, some some mental cat and mouse going on. That's a shame, too, because if you don't have trust, you don't have anything. And when you don't have anything, that's... You cross the Curtis line. Right, you cross the Curtis line. Nobody crosses the Curtis line. And once you cross the Curtis line, that means you have to stand in the snow with a submachine gun trying to kill Morgan Freeman in an attack helicopter. An attack helicopter. Not just kill Morgan Freeman, but kill Morgan Freeman's eyebrows in this movie. Yeah, which are which unstoppable. Or like three, four inches. I'll venture to say, no matter what problem you have with this movie, you watch it, everything I say, you disagree with me, fine. There is no way you can argue that his eyebrows alone don't make this movie They worthwhile. steal the show. They steal the show. In fact, I heard a rumor that uh, his eyebrows were so impressive in this movie that they've been tapped to star in the next Pacific Rim sequel, and they'll be attacking, uh, I think, Florida? Florida, the whole, this, the eyebrows? Yeah, eyebrows? Florida will well, be terrorized two, by Morgan Freeman's are eyebrows. The two eyebrows going to tag team Florida? Yeah, they're, oh, they're a pair, okay, without but, question. So it's not like one's attacking Florida and the other one's coming from the other end. No, 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 no. I, that's a movie I'd pay to see. Yeah, let's let's now, do it. I, you know, I don't know. Do you have anything else to say before we move along? I think well, I, I've let's, covered... Uh, Let's talk about the very ending because uh, that's an important piece. Uh, Mr. Gray yeah. uh, disguises Jonesy, makes his way to the Quabbin. Is it Quabbin? I, I think it's Quabbin. The Quabbin Reservoir, which uh, f- provides all the water to Boston. And yeah. his plan is to take one worm, whatever Whit, worm he can. The Whit Hertford Worm. Yes, the Whit Hertford Worm. And uh, put it in the water supply to infect the populace, and mm-hmm. that Duditz predicts that that one worm will kill the world. Yeah, and that will that will be it. So uh, Henry shows up, uh, and Duditz is with him, and they face off with Mister Gray. That's when Duditz reveals his true final form: the lizard lion. Yes, the lizard lion. Yeah, he also kind of looks like a uh, a golden tamarind monkey. He looks like you know what? Do you remember those action figures from the eighties, like the horror movie action figures, and they, they like they had little like different like hologram images in their oh, chest? Oh, Inhumanoids. He that's what he looks like. He looks like one of the Inhumanoids. <laughs> he does. If you guys remember that, you know what I'm talking about. If yep. you don't, just Google it, and then you'll be like, oh, okay, I got an idea. Inhumanoids. Uh. Yeah, but they have a face-off. Uh, Duditz gets to kind of fulfill the prophecy that he started mm-hmm. years ago. Um, and Jonesy and Henry are the last two standing. And it ends very abruptly. It just kind of like, just you, you think there's going to be a few more minutes, it just ends, and then techno music comes on. Yeah. And that's Dreamcatcher. Yeah. And it's the, the last shot is Jonesy's face just smirking. Yeah. Now, uh, I reached out on the internet. Well, uh, before we get okay. into that, let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, 
let me just get your final impression. Would you recommend this to anybody? 100%, because I feel, like I said, it works on two levels for me, as a crazy bad fun movie and as an actually weird, intriguing movie at the same time. So either way, I think you can get something out of it. You can get like a fun, like, what the fuck did I just watch? Or you're just like, what the fuck did I just watch? And like, and there's some like weird, uh, interesting, like kind of like compelling stuff going on in there. Well, I don't know. How about you? Would you recommend it? Uh, yeah. If you like a nice looking, cool, gross, and weirdly funny movie, definitely watch it. Um, but if you have had enough of Stephen King's bullcrap, then, you know, just avoid it like the plague. So, yeah. Anyway, I reached in on uh, uh, I reached uh, out on the Internet for a segment we want to call Dead Wrong, where you guys talk to us and tell us why we're idiots. And um, You say it's good. They say it's bad. Exactly. So, uh, Nick wrote in. He said, saw it in the theater, total piece of shit, and I watch it about once a year. So, there must be something. He keeps pulling them back. I think Nick has a, uh, a shit weasel. Probably. I think he's possessed by Mr. Gray. And then there's uh, this guy named Clegg. He wrote, there's awful, and then there's awful. This is both. I don't really know what that means. Yeah, but... it's the same word. Yeah, same word. I don't think he knows what that uh, word means. This is a good one from an anonymous writer. Recipe for disasters. Add Stand By Me, Men in Black, Independence Day, Outbreak, what, what dreams may come? Huh? The segment of Creep Show, Creep Show with fast reproducing alien fungus. No. Any Toxic Avenger movie. Why? Deliverance and Forrest Gump. Deliverance? Wrap them all together in a blender, strain away most of the entertainment value and plot line conclusions, add a dash of poor acting and cheesy, unconvincing dialogue, garnish, garnish it with special effects. Voila, you've created Dreamcatcher. What? Where is Toxic Avenger in this I don't know. Movie? I don't get that one. Maybe with the fart jokes? We need to have this guy on the show because... I would love to hear him explain this nonsense step by step. There's a lot of fart jokes in the Toxic Avenger movies. A lot of duty jokes. I guess so. I guarantee you somebody eats a turd in that one of those movies. Right, but for different reasons. Uh, let's see. Okay, Eric wrote in. He said, well, you are an idiot, and we'll just move on from there. And let's see. We did wow, have a couple, thanks, Eric. We did have a couple of dissenters who kind of sided with us. Israel said, I hated it the first time I watched it. I literally couldn't stop laughing. But the second time I watched it, I absolutely loved it. And it's still, I still have no idea what changed. I think that's fair. I think that uh, you got to be open to the experience yeah. of butt weasels and, and Mr. Gray's. And then uh, Chrissy wrote, what's not to love about pooping out aliens? And what indeed? <laughs> what isn't there? It was done. Uh, that's what they did in Aliens. James Cameron's Aliens had a giant alien pooping out other aliens. Oh, and was, no one batted was, an eyelash. That was laying eggs. Well, this is, this is essentially the same thing. No, this is this is aliens coming out. They of the also butthole. secreted resin onto the walls. Yeah, they did a lot of things, but they the the parallels are there. All right, fair enough. So that's it for today. Uh, next next time we'll be discussing another movie. We're still just figuring that out. Possibly Ghosts of Mars. No, and possibly something else. Um, that's all I gotta say. Uh, but before we go, Whit Hertford, you can go to hell. Bye bye. Thank you.